every business leader has growth on the agenda in the plan. Well, that plan may be much different now. These days, the push for growth is even more urgent. It is a time to, as our guest puts it, rebound confidently from the crisis and get revenue growing again in your business. It's Daryl Amy, founder of a revenue growth agency, a podcast host, and author of Revenue Growth Engine on the Manage Your Message podcast. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most growth opportunities. Even in this time of crisis, actually, especially in a time of crisis, there is enormous opportunity for business owners, managers, and professionals of all stripes who look to not only survive, but grow. One of the most direct and effective ways to pivot your business is by changing the way you and everyone else talk about it. That's where my work as an author, professional speaker, and consultant comes in. And on this podcast, we're here to help you with ideas for the three necessary components for managing your message. First, creating the message itself, meaning the right words, stories, insights, and evidence you want your customers and prospects to know about. Second, equipping and growing your network of messengers, the people who can help you share that message. And third, getting the management habits that will shape your culture and turn those improvements into an everyday business advantage. When you bring those three pieces together, you'll very likely enjoy improvements in revenue, market share, customer engagement, even employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. I take you through that process in more detail in my new book available from Career Press. It's titled The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it in paperback, Kindle, and audio versions wherever great business books are sold. You can also find a free sample on my website, jimcard.com. We bring all of this together for you on the podcast because, simply put, it's much easier to grow your business all over again when you are a message manager. Since he was a teenager, our guest today has been working in both sales and marketing roles and leading companies as well. Daryl Amy is also the author of a new book, Revenue Growth Engine, How to Align Sales and Marketing to Accelerate Growth. And it seems that things are getting more complicated. They were already complicated before our latest crisis. The question comes up, why can't we grow faster? Daryl says the answer doesn't begin with sales or marketing. Instead, the answer begins by focusing on the end of revenue growth, both to new customers and to existing customers. Here's my conversation with Daryl Amy. Daryl, it's a real pleasure to welcome you to the Manager Message podcast. We have been operating in similar areas for a while, known of each other, but we haven't really had a chance to get together and talk about how companies can grow revenue and the the things that you're seeing and experiencing out there. So pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, Jim, it's a pleasure to be here as well. And we are certainly kindred spirits. So I'm excited about this conversation. I believe that we are kindred spirits, uh, Daryl, and doing a lot of the, the similar kinds of things. So 
I, although you have me, uh, you have me beat in in one area. You host two podcasts, <laughs> not just one. Is there a competition? No, no, not really. But uh, <laughs> but if, if you're scoring at home, you can uh, you know check one there with Daryl's side of the ledger. Uh, but you work. Uh, you have a firm called Convergo. Yes, basically you're working with companies, business to business sellers, uh, people who have a sales team. I think you have it. I won't want to lead the witness here, but you began with a core specialty in dealing with technology companies who sell to other businesses, and you've expanded that a bit. So could you talk a little about the kinds of companies and the kinds of problems just at a high level with generating revenue, where they get into some roadblocks along the way? And then we'll we'll drill down a bit from there in terms of specific things that could be takeaways. But in general, who's a good fit and who has been a good fit for the kind of work that you do? Yeah, Jim, thanks for asking. We really enjoy working with firms that have sales teams. Uh, Most of our clients are in the B2B space. I started 27 years ago, straight out of college into the sales. Straight out of middle school, right? (laughs) Thanks. Oh, you're too kind. It was actually funny. We, We both live in the same town. So I was a 21-year-old kid that looked like I was maybe uh, 16 years old out going door to door and talking to businesses all over town. (laughs) To make matters worse, in this Southern market, I have my Canadian accent. So it was, uh, needless to say, it it was a very fun and interesting beginning. But I spent the first half of my career in sales, ended up like most of us getting involved in sales management, began working, uh, training salespeople. And uh, it was in 2004 when I started a sales training company that my very first client came to me and said, hey, Daryl, this training you did for us is fantastic. Our marketing doesn't say anything about it. Do you build websites? So being my first client, Jim, I said, absolutely, we build websites. And, uh, and so next thing, you know, we were in the uh, we were in the digital marketing business. And I pulled that marketing degree I had from the great school that you used to teach at out of my hip pocket. And uh, here we were, we, we were doing sales training and marketing. What I began to realize is that sales and marketing are both two sides of the same coin. They're really charged with delivering the company's message to the marketplace and and to the clients. And so that's always been the core of what we we've been doing all the way through years of of sales training and then also getting involved in all the dimensions of marketing, search engine optimization, social media, inbound marketing, account-based marketing. All of that at the core has been been the message. But here's here's what brings us to where we are today is every time we do a quarterly strategy review with our clients the question is what you know what are your business goals because that's the heart of everything right what outcomes do you want and what we kept hearing over and over again is a very predictable goal is we want to grow revenue and at the same time i was involved once again with one foot in the sales world one foot in the marketing world and i noticed that there was not a whole lot of alignment in most organizations between sales and marketing and i think you've probably seen that over the years in, in companies you've worked with, right? Sales is going one way, marketing's going the other. Sales thinks marketing's doing a terrible job of sending them leads. Marketing thinks sales doesn't get it. And I, I sat through so many of these discussions at conferences I was going to and participating in. I just had this epiphany one day and said, you know what? The real issue here is not sales. The real issue is not marketing. 
The real issue is revenue growth and most particularly doing that through focusing on attracting ideal clients. And so what we began to do is as we were coaching and, and, and talking with our clients is we, we began to get them focused on their goals and in particularly their goals around attracting and retaining ideal clients. And that started to change everything. And so one of the things we get very involved in now is, is helping organizations align their sales and marketing efforts. And that's a chronic problem I found. And mm-hmm. it's not just a big company problem. This can be a small to medium sized company problem. And it's rooted, I think, in a lot of um, cultural and organizational and, and even HR problems that separate if you just take sales and marketing, for example. Salespeople and marketing people tend to have different incentive systems. They have different training. They have different language. They have a different culture. And in the absence of active intervention and in the absence of some common goals and some common metrics, it doesn't easily fix itself. And then when you take uh, Daryl, not just sales and marketing, but if you sell through channel partners or if you have installation service success teams and and all of the other organizational units that get into the picture, I think it gets even more and more jumbled. It certainly does. And if you look at at today's, well, at at any business, you know, boil down a business when you're talking about growth. I believe fundamentally, there's really only two ways to grow a company. It's quite simple, actually. You add net new clients, or you sell more to your current clients. And those are the only two ways to grow a company. And if you look at at that motion of bringing on a new client and then managing that relationship, that experience all through the, the journey of that, that client working with your company, it actually involves everybody. It involves sales, it involves marketing, and, and it really involves everybody at the company who has any interactions with the client, which is one of the reasons I really, really loved your book, Jim, is it, it, the mindset behind that book is, is the whole company needs to be aligned around the message that goes out to that client, not just sales and marketing. And I thought that was brilliant. Well, thank you. I, it's kind of you to say there, Daryl. And we'll talk about your book as, uh, as well in a moment. But just to, I was reminded of the point that that you were just underscoring here. Just yesterday, I was speaking with uh, someone who's a bank leader, bank team leader, who was voicing frustration. And I scribbled down the quote this person said, the salespeople didn't know the offer on the back of the postcard that just went out. And again, that's just an everyday thing where marketing or the communications team was sending things out. The sales force, in this case, loan officers and bankers, um, didn't know what was there. And you're working not only in you and your team work on collateral, you work on the digital space. And and when you think of all the ways that that message can be disseminated and all the ways that we can learn about customers. So we're digital and analog. We're we just got social media. We have all those other touch points, uh, either in person or increasingly virtual. Inconsistency, I think, just erodes trust. And it's also very frustrating on the inside of, of as this bank team leader was expressing 
again just yesterday. Why you know why can't we get our act together? Why can't we get on the same page? So to take your which is the, both the name of your book coming up and the name of one of your podcasts, you talk about a revenue growth engine for companies. So if we take that engine symbolism, you think about all the pieces that go together and you've got fuel and air and cylinders and pistons and spark plugs. And, and, and so what are the main parts that you see in a typical company? And you can, you can pick a composite. It could be large, small, whatever. If they're patterns that you see, the parts that don't tend to run together well today without active intervention. And what are the keys when you say, what, what is it that we need to get aligned first in most cases? Yeah, uh, I think there there are three three core things, and the first yeah, I think is going to be music to your ears, and that's what I call the fuel. The fuel for the engine is a focused message, and in the case of the bank that you were talking about, how frustrating it is, obviously internally, but also how frustrating it is to the to the client when the the message doesn't uh, align and there's confusion. But even back up further than that, and. When you think about clients, and I've, I remember Theodore Levitt, the father of modern marketing, Harvard Business School professor, years and years ago, walked into his classroom and held up the old drill bit, right? And he said, people in the history of going to Home Depot or the hardware store, or wherever, have never bought a drill bit. What they bought was the hole, right? They bought, and Seth Godin would take it a little further and say, and they bought the picture that they hung on the wall with the hole because it made them feel good when their friends came over, right? So one of the things that I think is really a great opportunity, and I would say even a critical thing for companies to align around is focusing the message on not their products, not how great their company is, but on the actual outcomes that their clients desire that they can deliver. And so in Revenue Growth Engine, as we're working with clients and helping them develop their growth engine, we're clearly focused on the ideal clients that they want to bring on board and specifically what are the outcomes that those, those ideal clients are looking for. That becomes the foundation for what we call an outcomes inventory. Every sales rep walks around with a price book of products and services they can sell I think the most important thing for a salesperson to walk around with is a list of all the outcomes they can deliver. And that goes through into the marketing department and that becomes the playbook or the idea source for all conversation and messaging to ensure that the company is talking about the outcomes they can deliver to the client and not just tooting their own horn. So that's the first area that I think a lot of companies can use some alignment on. Once again, I thought it was, it was very very complementary to the book as as in your your line of thinking and and when you look at an engine just just to go with that analogy if you put bad fuel in an engine it doesn't matter you know if you have a ferrari and you put bad fuel in that ferrari you're not going very far very fast however if we can put good fuel a focused message that talks about the outcomes clients and prospects want it's a game changer for most businesses. And so that's the that's the first area of the engine that I think can be approved. And Jim, I know as you're working with, with companies, uh, you see the message being uh, an incredible opportunity for accelerating the company in so many different ways, right? Oh, absolutely. And in my my view of the message is not a snappy tagline, 
or a promotional message or a mission or vision statement, which frankly, as we've talked about on this podcast before, they almost all sound the same. It's, <laughs> it's not differentiating. No. Um, but I, I think the message is something that people believe and they're prepared to share much in the same ways of, even if it's in shorthand, Daryl, the things that you were talking about, here's whom we serve. Here's what makes a good fit for us. Here's the way we help them. Maybe there are a couple of stories that get shared that make it easy to convey. And I, I want to back up just a moment because something you, you talked about, we, we kind of sped through that and I find it to be really important and a little elusive for a lot of businesses, this idea of an ideal customer or an ideal client profile. And it's something that when I work with clients, I concentrate on as well up, up front. It can be, I think for some, let's just take that example of a bank. All right. You think, well, we serve, we have a huge portfolio. We're going to have a great diversity of bank customers, whether they're investment or deposits or loans or cards and all those sorts of things. So how do you, how do you winnow that down versus there may be a company that we sell software to law firms mm-hmm. or you know something along those lines where it, it seems to make more sense. But I think across the board, understanding who's a good fit and then a little, and you can maybe talk a little bit about how you guide your clients through this of, are there certain types of, of customers or clients that are, that you know, you can get the best outcomes from that frankly, aren't drains on your internal resources that are, you know, great to work with. And there may be some more than others that are key to those growth plans that you said, whether you're trying to sell to more customers or selling more to customers, given all that complexity and some things that might not be obvious, even for a, a, a going concern, do you find that that's a challenge for a number of your clients in really getting specific about who's our best fit, particularly in the near-term growth plans? I think it more than being a challenge, I think for many clients, it's a lights on moment. You know, back in the late 1800s, uh, I think we were all familiar with a gentleman named Vilfredo Pareto, the Pareto principle. He noticed back then that 20% of the landowners in Italy owned 80% of the property. And he started to see the 80-20 rule at work in you know just about every facet of life and certainly business. When we go in to do revenue growth workshops with businesses, one of the things we'll ask is, you know, tell me about your favorite clients. Who are they? What do, what do they look like? And, and in particular, what do you like about working with them? And the answers when we get to the what do you like about working with them are always very similar. You know, we have a good relationship with them. They trust us. They, you know, they take recommendations. They appreciate what we do for them. They give us referrals. They buy everything that we sell and, or at least they have the potential to. And what's, what's interesting to me is, as it all across different business sizes, different parts of the country, the answers about ideal clients are the same. And then what we'll do is we'll say, okay, well, tell me about these ideal clients in terms of, you know, if you forecast it out, if they were to buy everything that you sell, all of the products and services that you provide, and, and if you were to forecast out 10 years of revenue, for that ideal client, what would it be worth? And so I'm thinking of a client that we were working with in South Florida and great company. They happen to be a technology firm. And so they started listing out all of the different things that a client would buy from them, an ideal client. 
a best fit client over the next 10 years. And the total was $960,000. Now, first of all, that's something to get excited about. And then I said, well, tell me about your up and down the street, bread and butter, average client, right? And I've come to realize, by the way, if you have a bread and butter client and that's who you're focusing on, you're probably going to eat a lot of bread and butter, right? It's, it's just, <laughs> just you know, fine, but well, on. nothing wrong with a little bread and butter, but I kind of like a steak and some lobster to go along with that if I'm going to go out to dinner. The bread and butter is just the uh, the appetizer. So anyhow, I digress. I said, tell me about your, you know, your average client, the 80%. Well, it turned out that the 10-year value of an average client was about $36,000. So now we're looking at $36,000 in revenue potential versus $800,000, $960,000 in this case. And I've seen this play out over and over again. And the lights come on when you realize if we're going to grow this company, wouldn't it make sense to focus on the people that have the potential to bring the most revenue in that also happen to appreciate what we do, like working with us, trust us. That that average client in most companies that we go see and talk with about this, the average client is usually less loyal and more frustrating to work with than the ideal client. And I've seen that play out over and over again. So, you know, my take on this, Jim, from a practical standpoint is if you want to grow revenue and you want to grow quickly, sell to clients who have a lot of potential revenue opportunity and specifically the type of clients that can buy everything that you sell. So, you know, if you're a bank, I would say an ideal client for a bank is someone that not only has a checking and savings account, but also a mortgage, investments, retirement, you know, whatever portfolio of, of financial services that bank offers, that would be an ideal client. I was just at this week, I've been participating in the EOS conference. It's a group of companies that use traction like we do as our operating system. And, and I was presenting on this topic. I got involved in the chat because we're doing virtual conferences now. And you know, I was having conversations with roofing companies, a financial services firm. There's all kinds of different companies that when you look at it, they all have ideal client profiles. And, you know, I, I think if you have an honest conversation and you look at your client base, you'll find the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule is in effect. So why not go after more of those 20 percenters? Because they also have 20 times the revenue potential in, in most cases. And that gets me fired up. Well, it becomes a great insight certainly for the sales team, for the leadership team as well, to go through that sort of exercise. And and what I've found, at, at least on several occasions, Daryl, is when you get people around a table, these days it might be a virtual table, talking about those sorts of things. And oftentimes the leadership might not understand for the, the 80%, for those who are a drain on resources, who don't appreciate what you do, we're not beating up on them, but we're just saying that they may be a lower priority type of customer or client that they don't even realize the drains or the the disconnects that may be happening. And so you say, oh, wow, didn't realize that when we look at the 20% versus the 80%, as you were talking about in that, that last example, the difference of lifetime value was something like 30 times, if I did the, the quick math. 
it just takes a moment to understand the degree of difference between the ideal customers and everybody else. So I can imagine that a couple of things would come out of that. First is you'd have a much clearer view about the opportunities you have um, your existing customer relationships. And also that would tend to give you a better roadmap because I want to talk to more of the counterparts and friends of my ideal customers who are more likely to probably fit that profile. They may be prospects today, but that's where I ought to be targeting, right? And using their testimonials, using their referrals, using their stories as a way to find more like them. Am I close to the strategy that, that comes out of this? You really are. And, and you know, going back to that, that company in South Florida, the follow-on from that was they were a B2B company and they, they sold products and services that virtually every business needs and could use. So we looked in their marketplace in South Florida, West Palm Beach, down through Miami, there was about 90,000 businesses in that marketplace. And they had 10 salespeople at this, this business. And you go, well, how could 10 salespeople cover 90,000 businesses? The answer is it would be impossible. However, when they began to understand who that ideal client was, now it narrowed the field down. And they selected uh, about 2,000 businesses that they wanted to really focus on. And now, you know, each, each sales rep has a manageable number of ideal prospects that they're working with. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to ring the bell when you bring in an average client, but man, you ring a big bell when you bring in a client that, that is, is an ideal client. And so now there's a level of focus. And the other thing this allows companies to do in addition, we talked about the message being the fuel, the the force behind the engine, and, and every good engine has torque, right? We like some acceleration. We like some power. The force behind all of it is client experience. I call it the ideal client experience. And when we're working with companies, we actually map out the client experience. We've all been, you know, to places like Disney where you go in and you can tell the moment that you step into a Disney theme park that they have put a lot of thought into the experience you're going to have. And even though there's tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in that park, you have a good experience and you come back. And I think there's an opportunity for all of us in our, our businesses to look at the experience in particular through the eyes of an ideal client and go, what's that experience like throughout the, the buying process, throughout the the process of, of being a client? And are there ways that we can enhance that experience that would help us not only attract more of these people, but retain them and make sure we, we were able to successfully cross-sell more of our products and services into these ideal client accounts? And what we're seeing, Jim, is, is when we begin to map out the client experience all of a sudden, the, the management team's looking at this going, oh my goodness, what if we did this? What if we did this? And the ideas start happening. And, and as companies begin to improve their experience, now they're creating competitive advantage. So the combination of fuel and torque, that experience seems to make a lot of sense. And, and a lot of these are very foundational 
pieces. So we've found these as being common patterns. I certainly have. It sounds like in your experience and with your team have been common patterns about identifying that ideal customer or client of, of having an inventory of outcomes that you can point to the right stories and examples and crafting the experience, all of those things to generate a flywheel for the business. However, you also mentioned about virtual summits and working remotely. And, and uh, we have to acknowledge the things that are not only foundational, but that are in, in this moment that we are uh, in right now with lockdowns and, and just so much uncertainty and so much damage to the economy, at least uh, in the near term. So there are a couple things here that I, I thought we would touch on while we have a few minutes left, Daryl. You have on your team, uh, you got a, a small team, but that are dispersed in different parts, you're in several different, four or five different time zones, I believe. And so this is a common experience that you have. A number of companies, large and small, have been pushed into this mode now of trying to figure it out. So I, I wonder if you could, from a couple of perspectives, so one is someone who runs a team, runs a company, and how you keep all the, the pieces in uh, what your experience has been as a leader with a, a dispersed team working remotely, and then how that carries over into how we best sell, how we best connect with customers and grow revenue when at least for a while, our in-person opportunities are, are really limited if they exist at all. And, and just what you're finding in terms of how people can best operate in a virtual environment, how best to stay connected, how can they continue to, to generate those opportunities? Wow. What a great question. And we could talk about this. We may have to record another podcast on this because so many things that are, are going through my mind. But the first thing I want to say is having run a virtual team since 2004, the first thing I want to say is it can be done <laughs> and it can be done very successfully. There's a huge shift right now for a lot of people who have been used to the face-to-face -face aspect of, of business, especially in sales. But you know, I want to let everybody know that it, it can be done and it can be done very successfully. I've, I've told field sales reps for years that you know, your clients don't always want a face-to-face -face meeting. They would prefer, they don't want you coming to their office all the time, maybe sometimes, but most of the time they'd be fine with a, a Skype or Zoom or, a, you know, a, any kind of online meeting. And, you know, the typical sales answer is, no, no, my clients want to see me face-to-face. -face. I'm, I'm not sure that that's true. Well, that's not an option anymore. And what was very interesting, Jim, is when the lockdown happened and, and when we all found ourselves in, in quarantine, we began asking ourselves internally uh, inside our company, what could we do to help our clients? And uh, we actually polled our clients. We sent a survey out and they said, help us with virtual selling. And so we said, okay, we can do that. We've been doing virtual selling for a long time. So we spun up a, an eight-week virtual sales training course. And it started really basic, how to run a web meeting, how to present yourself correctly online. And then we walked through all the stages of the sales process. And it was interesting because on one level, I felt like what we were sharing was was very basic. And maybe it's just because we've been living in this environment for so long. I was overwhelmed with the feedback that came back from the clients that we worked with saying, thank you so much. We needed this. And I think a lot of it was just the encouragement that you can do this. It, it's possible to do. You know, are there challenges Absolutely. Um, you know, there, there are all kinds of challenges uh, specifically right now. But 
it can be done. And <laughs> when my in-laws can get on Zoom, <laughs> the beautiful thing about all of this is I think the world going virtual has actually made clients much more forgiving and accepting of, of some of the blunders we may make in online meetings. I guess my main message is it can be done. I think companies have proven in this quick pivot that they can do it. You know, you can still maintain relationships digitally. And I think that there probably will be a degree of, of hybrid that goes on. Uh, you know, we will be traveling more. We will be meeting. If you look all the way from trade group meetings to company retreats and the like, it just may be in smaller units, not as frequent. But I agree with you, Daryl. I think it for the foreseeable future, there's going to be a high degree of virtual. I think there is a lot of latitude that we get, can give ourselves, that our customers and our colleagues will give us as well. The world's full of, of pretty funny YouTube videos of Zoom <laughs> yeah. fails and you know the cat runs across the keyboard or whatever whatever's going on. But I do think it also prompts us that not only can it be done, but like many things, the bar will continue to go up a little bit. So six months or a year from now, if you don't have that capability, even if it's just kind of a basic competence, and if your entire teams don't have enough confidence to be able to do that, they're not proactively still having conversations in whatever medium they can be, that you will fall behind. I think there's a, a point at which you say, give one another some grace. It's kind of like, I guess, way back in the day, as you uh, referred to, you know, you had to have a website. And even if it wasn't great, you just had to have a website. Now, you better have a pretty good mobile enabled, you know, easy to navigate, great experience and, and that sort of thing. So I think that's something that we can all build toward as we think through the near term uh, and the medium term future about raising uh, revenue. Daryl, Amy, wanted to let you talk a little bit about, you've got a, a book, which not coincidentally, I presume, uh, mirrors the title of one of your podcasts called <laughs> Revenue Growth Engine and puts a lot of this stuff together. Message manager listeners, by the time you hear this, the book will either be coming very soon or will have been recently released. But Daryl, could you talk a little bit about the book, where people can find it and how we can track with what you're doing? Yes. Yeah, so thank you, Jim. We wrote, I wrote Revenue Growth Engine last year uh, with the heart of helping great businesses grow revenue. And it's near and dear to my heart when I go into a business that I see is creating meaningful work. They're giving back to the community. I really believe businesses like that need to grow. And so I'm writing the book and now obviously as we're getting ready for the book to launch, the COVID crisis happens. And for most businesses, not all, but most businesses have taken a pretty severe hit in revenue. And so as the book is, is launching and the conversations we're having right now, it's not even so much about growing revenue, it's about recovering revenue and accelerating growth. And so and the book you'll find in Revenue Growth Engine, a complete model to align sales and marketing to drive revenue growth, really focused on these ideal clients. And it's very practical and it's a step-by-step -step guide. But I believe right now, Jim, that this is a real critical time. It's a it's an inflection point. It's, it's a, a moment of uh, critical importance in our country, in our economy, in our world. And as business people right now, I believe that we need to be very empathetic and sensitive to our staff, our clients, our families, 
But while we're being empathetic, or maybe one of the best ways to care for our people is to make sure that we have a strategy going forward. As business leaders, it's critical that we are in a posture where we're driving and thriving and moving business forward. So I'm excited about the book coming out because I really believe that in this book, you will find ideas that will help you accelerate your revenue growth so that you can recover and begin a new trajectory of, of growth that hopefully will put you in maybe an even stronger, even healthier position than you were before the crisis. So I'm excited about it, Jim. I hope we're going to help a lot of people. I look forward to that. And before we close, let you talk a little bit about your two podcasts and where we could be. Ah. By the way, message manager listeners, you can listen to these in addition to the Manager Message podcast, but not as a substitute for it. That's right. So after you've listened to all the episodes of the Manager Message podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I've been involved. My most recent project has esteemed guests on it, uh, like Matt Dixon of the Challenger Sale and JJ Peterson from StoryBrand, and none other than, than Jim Carr. Yeah, scheduling quirk uh, somehow, but thank you. That was a real pleasure. <laughs> so that that podcast is a lot of fun. The Revenue Growth Podcast, we're talking with thought leaders in sales and marketing, and the, the goal is to bring practical ideas every single episode that will um, help you grow your business. And, and so check that out. For three years, we just celebrated our three-year anniversary of the Selling from the Heart podcast. And my co-host, Larry Levine, is a fantastic sales leader and advocate for, for authenticity in the sales profession, building trust through authentic relationships and authentic value. So if you're in sales in particular, check out the Selling from the Heart podcast. We have been accused by, I think it was our friend Jeb Blunt of Fanatical Prospecting that accused us of being the drive time sports radio for sales, but we, <laughs> we, we, we have a great time. Uh, we, we get to talk uh, with some amazing thought leaders and really what's happening out of that podcast is uh, we've seen a, just a rising movement of sales professionals that are dedicated to being authentic in what they do, something that is very, very much needed in the sales profession. So if you're in sales, selling from the heart, we'd love for you to join us over there. That's great. At least you weren't accused of being the morning zoo. Right. Uh, uh, so that's great. <laughs> we keep it clean, but we have a good time. <laughs> there you go. Daryl, Amy, thank you again. Really been a pleasure to have you on the Manager Message podcast. Look forward to having you back soon. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. And thank you to all your listeners. Uh, I just want to encourage everybody, You know, let's not hit pause. Let's keep our foot on the gas and let's set ourselves up to drive and thrive. Thanks to you for joining us on the podcast, whether you are a returning message manager listener, or even if this is your first time in, new listeners are finding us all the time through good pods, personal recommendations, or lists. We made a popular list on LinkedIn, the top podcast for binge listening during the pandemic. We thank those list owners for that. We hope you'll share your five-star rating and review and subscribe so that you never miss a thing. Whatever the case, I hope you continue to find ideas for honing your message, growing your base of messengers, and growing your business. You can dig in more deeply by reading or listening to my new book, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it wherever business books are sold, and you can even check out a free sampler on my website, jimcarr.com, K-A-R-R-H. I welcome your connection on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear your ideas for future guests and topics. 
You can email me directly at jim at jimcar.com. And my direct mobile number is also on the website. Let's talk. And if your team or company would like to make your everyday customer conversations a true growth engine for your business, then let's look at some options. I have a number of message leadership and growth programs, which I deliver virtually and in person when we're back to meeting in person again, so that you and everyone around your business can likewise be comfortable and effective in their customer conversations in all of the ways that those are going to be happening from this point forward. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often. <laughs>